Ready? We're on, dude. It's been a while. It's been a hot minute. Um, and kind of, there have there hasn't been a ton of movies coming out since the Batman. Yeah. And we always knew that there was going to be kind of a a lull between the Batman and um, Doctor Strange coming out. Right. I'm pretty sure we talked about that in our we've review. Got, we've got some big time stuff coming up this summer, though. We do. It's gonna um, be a pretty. It's gonna be a pretty hot and heavy summer. It's gonna be hot and heavy, but right now we're throwing it way back mm-hmm. to 2021, right? No, this movie came out in 2022. Or yeah, it did. Okay, it came out in 2022. Forget I said anything. So, Dom, today's been a good day. It's been. Oh, dude, it's been a great day. It was a great day. Yeah, we uh, we started off the day frothing. And uh, we both did very well. The only thing I was thinking about, though, because I knew we were doing this, was do you think frisbee golfing was a thing in the 1930s when Death on the Nile was taking place? I bet I bet I could Google when was frisbee golfing invented. That's true. I feel like it had to have been like in the 70s, like with some stoners. It, it feels right? like... No, it feels like it's a, it's a game that could have been played like... 200 years ago. (laughs) Centuries ago. But, uh, yeah, let me take a look at this. I'm just, I've been curious about this all morning. When was Frisbee golf invented? The first game was held in Canada in 1927. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah, so it would have been. So about 100 years ago. Yeah. Do you think Hercule Poirot ever. Ever slung the discs around? No, but I have a feeling if he did... He'd be pretty fucking good at it. He'd be really fucking good at it. Yeah, he probably would be. Um, (laughs) I was... Dude, I was pretty impressed with Death on the Nile. And we're seeing, like... We're seeing this resurgence of whodunit movies. Yeah. And, you know, this wasn't quite... This wasn't quite to the level of, like, Knives Out... Right. But with this and Orient Express before it and Knives Out, like we're seeing this kind of style of like those clue films right. come back and I'm here for it. I'm I'm kinda I here love for it. it. I'm also here for it because of the people who are making it. Right. Like the fact like Ryan Johnson with Knives Out, Ryan Johnson was clearly trying to like subvert the genre and try like to do something new with it, right? Like try right. and create something that felt unique and different from like the the standard run of of whodunits. What I like about what Kenneth Branagh is doing with, like with with Mur- with Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express is he's taking like he is the, he is creating like a cla- a, a whodunit in the classical vein of whodunits. Yeah, like he's not trying to do anything new, but he's taking what's established and creating something so good out of it. That like you can't really fault the movie for just being like another whodunit because it's done so well that you're kind of just okay with the fact that it's not like presenting you with anything unique or new or subversive. I think well, and I think that that is people don't you don't have to overcomplicate the whodunit genre, and it's so it's so flexible with the stories that you can tell. Right, and that's like and that's why I kind of like this follow-up to Orient Express because mm-hmm. it can be such a different story right? with kind of the same themes and, and guidelines yeah. and <clears throat> similar structure. All of these movies are structured very similarly, but right. there's so much flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you can basically tell whatever type of murder story you want. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I also really do just like what Kenneth Branagh is doing as a director. And as an actor, too. Um, and as an actor. He's, he's pretty established as an actor already, but mm-hmm. his he's now showing a lot of diversity with his directing credits as yeah, well. Yeah. Like going from <clears throat> Thor and Cinderella to something like this, something like this. He, he's, I don't know. He's showing a lot of range as a director and I'm right. pretty happy. I'm excited to see what else he has mm-hmm. in store or, or what kind of projects right. he decides to work on in the future. One thing I think that's, he's done really well with the first two movies. Cause he's talked about like wanting to create like a, a universe out of these stories. Yeah. Cause Agatha Christie wrote like, 33 Hercule Poirot stories in her career as a writer. So there is a laundry list of stories that she told. And a lot of them were some of her most like well-received stories were the ones that involved him as, as a main character. And one thing I like, I really like about what he's done with these first two is the fact that like you don't necessarily have to see Orient Express to be able to enjoy Death on the Nile. Like, they're yeah. completely separate experiences. The only thing you really kind of might maybe miss a little bit is Poirot's friendship with Book. Because mm-hmm. Book is in the first one. In, he's in Orient Express. He's the only character that carries over from Orient Express. But what this movie does, what Death on the Nile does so well is it reestablishes their friendship pretty quick. So you're never wondering, like, I don't get why these guys are such good friends. They just kind of you just kind of feel it like it just is like this natural progression. Like you feel their friendship, your their close friendship pretty early on in this movie. Yeah. And the first, the, the first movie, like it's kind of the same way. There's a little bit more background with them, just kind of like in passing conversation about their histories with each other. But like in this movie, you get that pretty quick. So you're never wondering like, I don't know why this guy carried over from the other movie. You just understand yeah. pretty quick that like why he's there. Well, and I thought Tom Bateman is really good as book and they're like yeah. their chemistry together. Um, Him and Branagh. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it just works very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hadn't seen Orient Express, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to have in a like whodunit type of mystery. It's important to have that. He's not really a sidekick, but he's like the one person that he's, that like, he's like an Poro can trust. Right? Yeah. Right. And that's one thing, one that you talked about their chemistry. Like you can tell that when those two guys are together, they're just having so much fun, like bouncing dialogue off each other. It almost feels like it wasn't written. Like when they talk to each other, you kind of feel like like they're just legit. Just like they said, they said action, and they just started like talking the scene out to get to the end point. Like obviously, I'm pretty, I'm sure all of it was written. But when they're speaking to, especially those two, when they're talking to each other, it just feels so natural and free flowing. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things about, honestly, about both of these movies is like those two's relationship to each other in the film and the chemistry that they have with each other. Right. It, like it, you, it's like it makes it like again, like book is like the anchor to Poirot, right? He's the guy that like keeps him on the ground and like helps him through the process in ways that Poirot might not even like realize. Yeah. Because yeah. he keeps him so grounded and like not focused. Because I think Poirot's focus is nothing Poirot has issue with. It's really more like a humanity thing. Like he injects a little bit of humanity into the whole situation. Because Poirot is very much, uh, and he talks about it in the movie. You know, he's like, my life, my work is is this is solving crimes, and I'm the best at it. 
Like he's very yeah, and he's not afraid to tell. He's you not afraid he's to tell you that it. he is the best at it. And one of the things I like about this movie is there's a little more like there's a little more introspection to what he does and how he conducts himself because mm-hmm. to a lot of people it seems cold and incalculated. And people in this movie aren't like afraid to point out like. You you know you're an asshole sometimes, right? Like that that's the effect of what they say to him. They're like, you realize that what you do is kind of inhumane. Like yeah. you're treating this as if it's like a game, but we're all humans here. We're all trying to figure it out too. See, but that's what makes him such an interesting, right? I guess detective in this who done it is mm-hmm. like we we get to watch him kind of just put the puzzle together, and right. that's why you know movies like this are. They can sometimes be like exposition heavy, um, right? But you have to have a character like Poirot that's uh-huh. kind of established the way that he is, right? Um, and with the personality traits that he has mm-hmm. to make that exposition interesting, right? Um, and I, I kind of see it, and maybe this is a maybe I'm reaching a little bit for yeah. this comparison, but I, it's almost similar to like watching people play video games like watching streamers because he is solving a puzzle you're not you're not solving it right you're he's solving it for you but you're gonna watch and listen to his thought process and why he's doing what he's doing right and that that was kind of interesting to me the way that this the way that this movie was set up is there's it moves so quickly that there's really not much of a puzzle for you to solve right um there are some questions that you can kind of start to infer what yeah, happened. Yeah. You can make your own guesses, but they really only give enough information to keep you hooked in. Yeah. At no point do you know more than what Poirot knows. Right. And that's what kind of makes, that's what keeps you hooked because you, you want him to figure it out because right. he's going to figure it out for you too. Right. Um, of course, like as you're watching, you start to formulate your guesses of, yeah, of who the murderer was. Right. But I thought that the story was so perfectly balanced with how much information they gave us yeah. to where you have a reason to continue to watch this guy mm-hmm. right. go through his process. Well, and that's the draw. The draw is watching Branagh play Poirot and watching, like, you never know as much as he knows, right? Right. The whole mystery, like, it, the movie is very withholding. It doesn't, like show you who does it and then like show the people try and figure it out. It doesn't show you anything. You mm-hmm. have to focus in on the type of questions Poirot is asking people and the way he's conducting himself in any given moment. You have to like pay attention to what he's doing because at any given moment he probably knows, he's probably 5 steps ahead, but the movie wants you to like watch him and focus in on what he's doing because that's how you're going to infer is by the way he is treating people and the way he's interacting and trying to figure yeah. it out himself because his brain is, it's like he says, he's, he's the greatest detective for reasons because he's, 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 it, he solves everything. I don't yeah. know that, I don't know that in like the books even there's like a mystery he could never solve because he's right. just that, he's that smart and he has that kind of deductive power. It's like, he's like a Sherlock but he's straight up is just an investigate like a straight up murder investigator. Yeah. Well, right? and and it kind of adds to his arrogance, but it makes it so you can't really you can't fault him for being arrogant because you're just you're watching and you're like, "Oh, right. this guy knows more than everybody." Yeah. And Always. he is better than everybody at, any at given what moment. he does. Yeah. One thing I really liked about 
how Branagh per- portrayed the character in this movie. In this movie, you get a lot more of his background, like his involvement in World War One with the Belgian, Belgian, Belgian. Yeah, he's Belgian. I think so. With the Belgian army, and like you get, you get a glimpse of like where his cunning and his wits began. Yeah, this great, amazing cold open in black and white. Mm-hmm. When I think they're in France. There's somewhere, you know, it's World War One. They're somewhere in Europe during the war, and they're being told to advance on the German army. And Poirot says, if we wait for this time, the winds will shift, and they won't see us coming. Mm-hmm. They won't. They won't be able to smell us, right? And it's this great moment. And then his captain dies in this explosion, and you get this great moment with the girl that he's madly in love with, telling him like. I'll love you through anything, and you know you see his face is scarred and mutilated from this explosion. And he says, "Well, what about you know? What about this? Would you love me through this?" And she says, "It's easy. Just grow a mustache." Yeah. And that he does. And that he does. And it's a dope ass mustache too. <laughs> but I like that this movie gives us a lot more. It's still like he does come off very cold and calculated a lot of the time. But there's so much emotional undertone to his character that you. There are so many things that happen throughout this this movie that adds so much depth to his character, which I don't think you got a you didn't get a ton of that in Orient Express, which is still I think as good of a as good of a movie as this one, but because this one adds that extra layer to his character, I think it made it much more like of a worthwhile viewing experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Getting to watch him like not only struggle through figuring out and solving this murder, but also like. Also having people like expose some of his emotional shortcomings that maybe he hasn't dealt with or maybe he's just avoiding and having him forcing him to kind of deal with that at the same time, I think was a really well and because a good it was a good story arc to have. Maybe maybe subduing that side of him is part of why he's so good at what he does too. Right. Right. Because he, he everything all of his energy and all of his time goes into his craft it doesn't go into sorting through emotions or building relationships or anything like that right but you get to see that growth as a character kind of throughout the movie right which it suits him well especially because in the end he still is the best detective in the world he and he right. still just figures it out of course um but we we you kind of get to see a side of him that you wouldn't expect right given just who he is and right. what he well, does. Also, this movie deals with, he figures it out, but at what cost? Yeah. Because it costs him a lot to right. solve this murder in the end, right? Did you notice the the first scene of the movie with Poirot where he's like going into the, the theater to watch the, the band play? I can't remember the girl's name, the, the lady, the singer lady. Um, but he's like greeted with like, People are like fawning over him. They're like, "Oh, it's Mr. It's it's Mr. Poirot. It's the great detective," and he like walks in with like this like this flash to him almost. Like people know who he is, and they res- have such great respect for him. Mm-hmm. And the final scene of the movie is in the same setting, and this man they they conceal who it is. Like you know it's you know it's Poirot, but he's like walking into the theater, and they're like, "Hey, we're closed." You know, like, watch where you're going, like, get out of the way. And then you see at the end of the movie that he's gone clean-shaven. The mustache is gone, right? So the mutilated face and the scars 
that cover his face are in full view. And he's like this journey that he's gone on in this movie has broken his character down so much that he is like, he's like gotten rid of the Poirot persona and like become like a, like a vulnerable version of himself again. Like he's, he's gotten rid of he the, doesn't, he doesn't have his like shield anymore. he doesn't have his shield anymore. Yeah. Right. He's broken that down and become one of the, just one of the people. And he's treated like one of the people. I thought that was, that was a cool, like, I thought that that set up like that reversal from beginning to end and like what happens in the middle, like breaking him down so much that mm-hmm. he becomes that person. I thought that was like, that was a moment. Like I saw that at the end and I was like, man, I don't think they like, that was a perfect, like it, it ended so perfectly to right. have that little, that final little end note. Well, and obviously at the end of the movie, there's a lot of these Poirot stories, but like also that kind of gives him like as a, as a character that, almost gives him an out like mm-hmm. if he like if he wants to just live a normal uh, i guess normal like this is what he does but if he right. wants to become a become a farmer right he, he wants, talks about he wanting wants, to become a yeah, farmer if he wants to change paths like that is that's his opportunity to do so right. because he's kind of in control at that moment he's kind of in control of his own destiny and i right. think that that sort of it's satisfying because yes, he is vulnerable, but mm-hmm. also he has a different type of control than he's used to having. Right, right. Because he he can go anywhere from there. Mm-hmm. It's also it's it's like it's kind of a sobering moment to see him in that space. Where you're like, man, he's getting treated like kind of he's getting treated like garbage right now. And then yeah. you see he turns he turns around and like his face comes into full view and frame. You're like, oh, okay, I see, I see what's. Mm-hmm. See what's happening—the breaking down of the persona, the, the the vulnerability he's exposing himself. Like, I don't know. It was such a great. It was such a, it was a small moment, and it, honestly, the movie could have ended with all the people getting off the boat and him talking to them and being like, "Hey," like he was talking to uh, uh, the cousin or the bookkeeper, mm-hmm. and he was saying like, "You're gonna return all the money to the people you stole from, and if you don't, I will know." Right, he has that moment with each person as they get off the boat, and the movie could have ended there, and it would have been fine. But the fact that Branagh, as a director and as someone who is like so committed to this character in these stories, to have that moment at the end, saying, "You know, this isn't you're not getting the same version of this story every time." Like there is actual like character development is happening with this guy. He's not just some detective who comes in and solves. A murder mystery. There is like this. There is this added humanity to him that I'm trying to present to you. Mm-hmm. To have that moment at the end, I think was just a well, a really good way to encapsulate, you know, and kind of move move this kind of story or this character forward into a new, yeah, into a, you know another movie or another project or whatever might be next. Well, and I think that I think that moment with them getting off the boat and he's speaking to all of them, I think that is still important because yeah. it. It goes to show it serves a couple purposes, both for us and for the characters in the film. Mm-hmm. It shows, first of all, that he's like basically he's never he's never not working. Like that's right. that's part of who he is. Mm-hmm. He has to kind of get the final word with all of these people. Um, whether positive or negative, it's kind of like, okay, he actually was learning he was learning who these people are over the course of right. this interrogation and, and investigation. And mm-hmm. just because 
just because he was determining whether or not they were the murderer, that was not the only right. thing he was doing. And it, it kind of shows you that he probably does that with all of his relationships. Right. And so then to show us that kind of vulnerable and a little more human side of him mm-hmm. is like, oh, he, first of all, maybe he's learning how to turn it on and off. Right. But at the very least, he has, he knows more about every person that he meets. He probably knows more about them than they know about themselves. Right. And he's learning to kind of keep it to himself. He doesn't have to do something about it. Right. Maybe he's learning to not always be a detective, even though it's right. not something he can turn off. It is a lifestyle that he can live a little differently. Right. It's also like, I think you're, you're like, he has to like walk in someone else's shoes. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think that they present that very well in both movies. Like how he gets, he is as good at what he does because of how, how he, he doesn't like involve himself in their lives, but he just is able to imitate what, like he's able to walk in their shoes. And because he's able to do that so flawlessly, that's what makes him so alert and aware of things that other people don't see mm-hmm. is because when he talks to someone, it is, he is so, he's so willing to step in and go, okay, I am, I am trying to be this person right now. And I'm trying to figure out why they're saying what they're saying and doing what they're doing because he's able to like step into their shoes and walk a mile in them. That's what makes him so perceptive to what's going on in any given situation that he's trying to figure out. Yeah. And I think it's kind of just, we see, I guess so many different versions of his character mm-hmm. throughout this, what, two hours? I think it was just about two hours. I think hours two hours, exactly. just it was like, like right two hours out. and seven minutes. Right. So basically two hours. But we see so many versions of him that the contrast from one moment to the next, uh-huh. um, I feel like it adds a lot of just progression to the story and right. it moves things along because he is, he's the main person that we're concerned with. He's the right. one that's solving the. Yeah. The mystery. He's our main guy. Yeah, he's our guy. Um, so seeing him progress and seeing so many different sides of him and then ending on one that we've basically not seen before. Right. I think that that type of contrast also keeps the audience so engaged with his character because right. it's like, okay, where is where is the story headed, but where is he going? Where is he? What yeah, is, what's, what's what he is doing his next? next move? Right, right. Um, the other thing, and we have spent a lot of time talking about Poirot's character and right. just the, um, the, I mean, the cast is great. Great. Like they, Amazing. Awesome. My, honestly, my standout was Russell Brand. Mine too. And that's Dude. what I was going to bring up next, but he, I thought Russell Brand's character, he, I mean, perfect execution for oh, yeah. the role that that character needed to play in the movie. Right. And it also goes from the very beginning um, or the first scene that we meet Russell Brand's character when Poirot shows up for the, right, like for the, the party right, right. Um, prior to, I guess it was like before the honeymoon, after the wedding. It might have been like the start or, of the honeymoon. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But when we first meet Russell Brand's character, you're almost like, oh, this guy's going to be trouble. Right. He doesn't book, say book anything. Book is telling us about like how ex-fiance, disgruntled ex-fiance. Right. Still the, like invited on the trip. Right, and, right. Yeah, just like it's... I guess it's a little bit of a distraction, but he he plays that role so perfectly right. of he's always going to say that he is innocent in all matters and right. he's, he's there for completely innocent reasons and mm-hmm. 
but there's always that sort of you have you're a little bit cautious watching his character right. pretty much the whole time, and right. and even Poirot is cautious of him mm-hmm. from the moment that he's he first right. sees him. That's one thing this movie does really well with all the side characters is all of their motivations are very like any of them really any of them probably could have done it. Yeah. Of the main like of of the the ex-fiance, Russell Brand playing the ex-fiance or the cousin playing the bookkeeper mm-hmm. trying to you know keep his secrets about all the money he's been kind of moving around and get, giving to himself. And obviously the the uh um the girl that uh, the people eater was with before he uh, got with uh, Gal Gadot's character. Um, I can't think of her name. You know what I mean by the people <laughs> I, by the people eater. I don't actually. It was weird watching. Uh, what's the what is the actor's name? Uh, Army Hammer. Oh yeah. The whole thing about him like yeah, eating yeah. toes or something like that. Like <laughs> it was weird watching him in this movie because obviously they couldn't recast or like. CG over his face. They weren't going to do that. But like all of the, everyone's motivation to do it feels like there's no motivation that seems higher than the other. Yeah. It was never obvious. Like they all seem like they have pretty equal. They're on a pretty even playing field when it comes to who might've done it. Like what was their purpose for doing it? They all feel very, very much on the same level. Like, it doesn't make sense that one person would do it over the other. That's one thing that I think this story presents really well. Yeah. I I would also like to add that the cinematography was beautiful. Like, oh, yeah. I, and I was not expecting it. I was like, no, a li- I was a right? little caught off guard because this whole, the whole film was so fun to look at. Oh, yeah. And just the, especially like in that backdrop the Nile River and you're mm-hmm. getting these like bright red sunsets and then the gold sand and I thought it was beautifully shot. Oh yeah. Um <clears throat> some of it was not it was a little CGI heavy. It was heavy a little CGI at heavy. points. Yes. But I understand like obviously you can't like if they were to shoot on location in Egypt and in England and in Belgium like in all yeah. these places it'd be a $400 million production. <laughs> right. So I understand like the, right. o- the over-reliance on CGI is kind of like at points is a little necessary mm-hmm. to keep production costs down. But at the same time, it would have been really cool to see this like on location on the Nile. In it would have. And that I mean, would have been dope. It was, it was fairly well balanced. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, Overall, you, you could definitely tell, but also it was, it's a little, it's, pretty on brand for the story and, right. and for just the situation that they find themselves in right. like exploring the ruins and yeah. things like that. So I don't know. I, it, I wasn't necessarily surprised by it, but I also wasn't too bothered by it right. because I thought they made it look very well, and, good. It honestly, it's kind of in the vein of like classic whodunits. Like yes. back in the day, yeah, you'd probably have like one or two locations that you could go shoot on, but then the rest would have been like sets and actual like right. like stuff that people drew. Like it'd be like uh, uh, oh, what's it called when you. Like when you have like in older like classic movies, you have like you paint the background. Yeah, yeah. Like that's basically what they do in this movie. It's just used with CGI instead of you know actual sets right. that they paint and design. So in a way, it's kind of like it's kind of a it's kind of a callback. Again, it's a lot of this movie and and Orient Express was the same way. A lot of it is callbacks to 
the classic whodunits. Mm-hmm. It's like paying homage to the classic whodunits. And that's what that like reliance on CGI and like not having everything beyond location except for a few set pieces where you can actually shoot and not blow your budget out of the water is very much in line with how they used to do it. So much of this movie is like that too from every every aspect of it. It's so much is just a legitimate like classical interpretation and telling of a mystery mm-hmm. story. Yeah. And that's one thing and you could tell it it's done with love too. Right. Right, it's not done to imitate or to try and like or used as like a shortcut. No, it's still it's, very genuine. It's done because it's done from like a very genuine point of view, yeah. which is why I enjoyed it so much and kind of willing to overlook the fact that it's really nothing new. Right. Like this this movie is nothing new. It's there's no it's it's not like Knives Out at all, and we kind of talked about that. But it because you can tell, and I think a casual moviegoer can tell too. Like if you're just a casual fan of movies, you can watch this and still kind of feel that appreciation for what's trying to be done and how much care is actually put into every aspect of yeah. the movie from the the set design to even the CGI to the acting and the writing and the story itself all of it is done with so much care and so much specificity yeah that it doesn't feel like they cut any corners and that's one of the things i i really respected about the movie the first time i i watched it yeah um I don't really have too much else to say. Um, I think we covered most of it. We covered a lot of it. Yeah. We we didn't really have a ton of negatives because I don't know that there was something that stood out. Um, it's the the movie seemed pretty refined um, for yeah. for what it is, and it's not it kind of as some final thoughts. It's it's not going to surprise anybody. No. Um, but it doesn't have to. It's right. I had. I had a lot of fun watching this. Um, there is like one or two surprises that you might not see coming. There's, sure. There's, there's still a couple. There's a little. Yeah. There's, there's a couple th- twists in there. There's a couple but, twists. Um, and, you know, from from a technical standpoint, it's it's not really more. It doesn't exceed expectations. Right. Um, but it, it does. I guess it, it, I guess it, it does. It meets them to like. The optimal level. It's it's just below exceeding them. Right. I, I, don't, right. I don't know. I don't know what that level is, but I. I mean, I think it does a good job. My expectations um, were met, and I wasn't disappointed by that. Does that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I think. I think, I think that, that's a great. Yeah. yeah. Great way of putting it. Um, I'd probably grade this a B plus. I don't know that it's a B plus movie, but I just had a lot of fun watching it. I yeah. Just, it was enjoyable and I'm, easy to watch. Yeah. And yeah, it was a good. Good way to spend a couple hours. I'm in the same boat. i pretty sure back in the day, I wrote a review for Murder on the Orient Express for the Daily Kansan at KU. Shout out to Daily Kansan. You guys got me where I am today. Kind of. A little bit. No, not really. It was all me. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I gave that movie a B. I think this movie is better. That's my alarm to wake up. I think this wake movie up, is better. I am going to go with an A-. minus. Okay. I really liked it. I think it's a perfect, uh, like you said, a great way to spend a couple hours. Decent, like, good family movie, too. Like, yeah. if you're trying to get your kids a little in the little more, like, serious realm of movies, this is a good, like, starting point, I would say. Like, this is a good movie to, like, get them into, like, the more serious kind of, like, drama that they might watch when they are older and grown-up adults. Right. Right. I, I really, 
I really liked this movie, and I the second time it didn't lose. I didn't lose any of that, any of that feeling. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, Dom. All right, dude. Let's uh, let's take him out. Let's take him out. We'll be you'll be hearing from us more consistently. More consistently as more movies come out. That yeah, we're things are starting to pick up a little bit. So. Sort of interested in. Um, we got Strange coming out in. Strange comes out next week. No, twelve days. Two weeks from May sixth. May sixth. That's the day. So we've got Doctor Strange coming out. Yep. Um, we have Top Gun coming soon. Yeah. We're gonna get ready to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got that. That'll be just another fun, lighthearted one. Yeah. Um, we got Thor coming this summer, and yep. it, it's gonna be a lot of superhero movies, but it always is. It always is. Yeah. Um, we got hopefully some good stuff coming out for you guys over the next couple months. Hopefully a couple surprises, um, something that really surprises. piques our interest. We've got some older movies that we're looking to record mm-hmm. on soon, yep. um, but we're taking our time with those because there's no rush. They right. already have been out for decades. They've, so. Yeah, they've been out for 15 years, so why rush? Why rush? Um, Gus, where where can you find you us? You can dude? find us on front underscore row media on that, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we are at uh, front row seats on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, you can find the front row podcast on Apple Podcasting, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, names we don't even know of. I swear to God, every time I talk to someone who listens to our podcast, we're like, oh, he's listening on this app. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know so, people listen there. Cool. Glad you found it there. I don't know why you listen to that app and aren't on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Shout out to those SoundCloud folks. Shout out, hey, shout out, you know what? SoundCloud, SoundCloud people, you the real MVPs. I'm not saying that you're my favorite fans, but you're, you're the majority of you're them. You're up there. <laughs> the fact that we get so much traffic from SoundCloud is it, It's insane. mind-blowing. doesn't make sense. It's a little crazy. Um, yeah, you know what? If you're listening, leave that five-star review. Send us an email. We're at... Front row media one. Front row media one at, at gmail.com. Screen rant. If you're hearing this, please respond to our application. Screen rant. I'm begging you. We love you so much. We do love you. We want you we, to. We want you to love us so much. Uh, we'll we'll um, call you in five minutes. We'll call you. Hey, I'll call you tonight. Okay. I will send you an email every day. You're busy. All right. I'll call you tomorrow. No, that's not true. Um, please, no. please, 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 please. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> Do it for me, please. Just answer. Just respond. Even if it's a no, <laughs> we'll understand. Oh, and on that note, to all these listeners, if you hate our show, just tell us. Just tell us you hate it. It'll be fun as hell. And It'll be wrong. really fun. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're dead and, wrong. And we'll talk about it, and we'll roast you in the next show. But tell we us will. if you hate us. But we we'll will, also reflect a little. We'll reflect, and we we'll respond. Make any changes, we'll respond but we'll accordingly. Reflect. But uh, just know that if we think you're wrong, we'll uh, we will flame you over coals. In wow. our next episode. Hey, make some suggestions to us. Um, whenever the whenever times whenever new movie releases are dying down a little bit, yeah. and we have those kind of down times, we do tend to just start picking old movies. Um, yeah. Most of the time, if there is a review that we do that is like pre two thousands, it's because right. we woke up one Saturday morning and we we're like, hey, let's. Let's watch. Let's this. watch an old movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you have suggestions for us, movies that you like, maybe ones that you enjoyed growing up, mm-hmm. um, let us know. Uh, True. We're happy to do really any genre. Anything. Um, we're hoping to record on Prince of Egypt soon. Oh, so yeah. So we are not. We're not afraid to record on '90s animated movies. No. Um, listen, we have range too. We do. So tell we us what you want us to do. Probably a couple more westerns coming if we're being honest, because yeah. that seems to be something where 
yeah, in the absolutely. mood for. I'm always hungry for a good Western. Uh, also, not to spoil anything, but Prince of Egypt might be the best musical of all time. Question oh. mark? Oh. Question mark, question mark. That might be... Stay tuned for that. That might be a good, uh, Stay tuned for that good note to end on. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All, all right, right everybody. Thank See you. See you next time.